What is up, everybody? I am your host, Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. We have a great one for you today. Hit that thumbs up if you're listening on the YouTube. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are watching from the comfort of your own home, Connor O'Gara is coming on at 1230. Who is that? He's a senior national college football columnist down from our sister site, Saturday Down South. We will talk to him about the SEC, NFL draft prospects, all that stuff coming up. But first, we want to get to Kevin Kincaid, who wrote 3,000 words. 3,000 words. I probably haven't written 3,000 words since I started here last January. Um, if anyone didn't see it, go read it, because if you don't read it, Kevin might never do another expose ever again. It's on the site. It's at the top of the site. It's basically a media analysis. So it's basically just taking the inquirer and judging it against, you know, how, how fair and balanced their reporting is. Is that fair, Kev? Well, yeah, it's about the Sixers arena. The Sixers arena. I buried yeah. the lead there. I yeah, it's called a media analysis, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Sixers arena and the blurry line between journalism and activism. What a title. Yeah, so I spent a couple of weeks working on it. I mean, we do these every so often. I mean, between you and me, man, it's and well, not between you and me, I'm saying it on the podcast, but these are a fucking beast to do. So I, I don't do a lot of them. And it's just like um, we don't have a large staff anyway, you know. So if I'm out of pocket working on something like this for a couple of weeks, I mean it's basically you and Anthony running the site, and then we <laughs> just trying to keep the lights on, you know. But I mean, the gist is that I went back into um all of the reporting that the Philadelphia Inquirer has done on the uh, Sixers arena since the, it was announced on uh, like July 21st, I think was the day and just kind of did it like a study and looked at like what was favorable, what was not favorable, you know, what was news, what was opinion, mm-hmm. what came from a certain desk, what came from a sports desk, you know, and basically just presented those findings in the story. And like the, the, the main takeaway here is that it was um, a lot of the stuff that they did right off the bat was really good was really, really good. It was uh, fair and it was balanced and they kind of hit it from from every side. And it was like, hey, what does this mean for transportation in the area? Here's the history of Market East. Um, you know, what, what what is it? What about the architecture angle of it? You know, what did the Sixers have to say? What does the community have to say? So they did a lot. They did all that kind of stuff. I mean, look at all the it. bylines. I read you know, it. Look at, all the, look at all the bylines. I mean, there's a bunch of people that got involved and it just like kind of took a kind of a turn um you know in, in december when those public chinatown meetings started up and um those are wild yeah you know where the sixers were getting yelled at and, and all kinds of stuff <laughs> was going on and i you know it was one of those things where uh it seemed like it was a little like anti-arena ish just by the perception they were doing so much chinatown stuff i don't know if that's the case or not I didn't, I didn't come away with it thinking that there was some like hidden agenda here or whatever but it's interesting to see how through this uh, this new desk that they created called the Communities and Engagement Desk, um, that it really tilted a lot of it towards Chinatown. So it just kind of gives off the perception as though they wouldn't mind seeing the arena fail, um, even if that's not like their outright endorsement. So if you're interested in the Sixers and the arena topic, um, give it a read and let me know what you what you think. Uh, tried to tried to be fair about it and try to do some real journalism here on the website, you know? Yeah, I read it. I read it. Uh, 3,000 words, like I said, uh, going from Mike Rainey's book on Tuesday, and I finished that, 160 pages, probably in two hours. This one probably took me just as long to read it. Um, but it's worth it. You know, get on the toilet, sit down, take a shit, and read right. Kevin's uh, blog. And from what I gathered is, in those 3,000 words you wrote, is for the sanctity and the fair reporting of the Inquirer to continue and for the Inquirer to prosper into the future, 
they need to go back to being a little bit more racist. (laughs) (laughs) That is certainly one way of... uh... The pendulum has swung to too much activism and not enough racism. We've always commented on it. We love the little temple study that they commissioned that they're like, hey, listen, guess what? You're too white. You're too old. You're too racist. Get the hell out of here. They could have given us the millions and millions of dollars for that. We would have been the same. I know. They they should have come to to you and me with it. We would have done the study. According to the Crossing Broad study, they're too old and they're too white. Yeah, I mean, we could have told you that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, no, it's funny. Yeah, it's fine because you're trying. Yes, you you want the pendulum to land somewhere in the middle of like super woke and like super racist, right? Exactly. I think they just they just um, you know, kind of uh, over overcorrected a little bit there. But it's interesting. I I don't. I think like the big takeaway too is from I talked to probably like um, ten to twelve people, I guess, over there, and um, they all just kind of said the same thing, where it was like this communities and engagement desk kind of operates on their own. So you know, you do like a lot of good reporting early in the process, you know, and then all of a sudden like communities and engagement comes in and they do this like Chinatown, 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 Chinatown. It's like, oh, it's fine. I mean, that's what they were created to do is to get into the community and mm-hmm. it is communities and engagement desk and to give their side of it. But it almost makes it seem like they're taking their side, not just giving their side. So that was kind of the the overwhelming, um, you know, takeaway that I had from it. So, so I, tried to be, I tried to be fair and balanced. Right. No, no, no. You were fair and balanced. You're always fair and balanced. I saw a lot of commenters commenting that this was very fair and balanced. It's very hard to get the people on the internet to agree with a, that a, a take or an expose or a blog is fair yeah. and balanced. I thought you did a great job with that. I just want to know, what are you going to do with the check that David Alderman gives you? Are you going to fix oh. up the treehouse? Yeah, David Adelman. No, he's um he owes my wife a, a bottle of her choice from his seven thousand dollar <laughs> wine collection or whatever it is. So that that'll be my payment. I'm still waiting for a paycheck from somebody, from somebody. You know, if I'm if I'm uh, <clears throat> if the allegations of bias are true, then I haven't seen any payment of any kind anywhere. So, well, we still got 10, 11 years or t- about ten years. We got ten years, nine years to uh, to get that That's check. True. And yeah. uh, you know, hey, listen, we can be bought off. Chinatown, you want to come to us? We will be pro <laughs> Chinatown, yeah. pro Chinatown, anti seventy six yeah. place. David, yeah. Josh Harris, you want to come yeah. to us? We will be so pro stadium. It'll yeah. make your head spin. If Josh Harris put us on the. Uh, Put us on the little uh, board of yeah. trustees that you're doing for the commies, uh, for the commies bid. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I don't know how much yeah, I can yeah, we are, Our services are open, man. If you need to create some kind of bullshit consultant job, just sign me up and I'll take like a payment under the table. Come up to the the uh, <clears throat> the Dairy Queen on 363 in Lansdowne. Just put a bag of cash behind the building. You know, we'll just we'll <laughs> do it. Uh, we'll be we'll be discreet about it. You know, but uh, do that Dairy Queen right next to the Yum Yums uh it's it's next to like a pizza place and there's like a nail place or something there uh, we were thinking that, i'm thinking the one off of 309 in uh in broad yeah there's one down the street for me that's only staffed by like north penn high school kids there's nobody who works at dairy queen is older than 16 i'm not sure that there's even a manager there it's just like staffed by random like high school kids you know i may have buried the lead actually because i thought the most interesting thing about the sixers arena and the inquire thing was that mayor nutter um yeah gave them a, a op-ed submitted an op-ed and they just i mean i don't know what i forget the language that he used when i was talking to him on the phone but they just they didn't run it they just decided not to run it you know and that's that's crazy to me because a former mayor i mean going to the inquire was something yeah i mean that's what they typically publish that's why i used already yeah yeah that's why i use the example of imagine if like jeffrey lurie came to you and me and he's like hey i'd like to publish something in crossing broad only if it's about the turbines 
Only if it's about the wind turbines. I want to know how much they wasted on the turbines. I want an expose on that, Jeffrey. (laughs) Yeah. How much, in order to get green, how much fossil fuel did you burn hanging those, using the crane to hang those things on top of the uh, whatever? But that's actually what I thought was funny, because like normally that's what you that's what you mm-hmm. do i mean like a prominent black man goes to you with an opinion like you would think that's their bread and butter but i don't know we'll see if they want to if they want to comment i'm happy to update update the yeah story. how about that no comment from the uh from the inky surprising surprising uh, it's all right. I mean, they don't, there's a lot of moving parts over there you got to go to like 14 different i mean they have a staff of like 150 people over there paying you know? if we have an issue at crossing broad like i call you or i call anthony and that's our entire staff Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot, a lot less like red tape to clear, you know, like I can issue, I could issue a, an official statement on anything right now, you know, so <laughs> I don't have to talk to anybody else really. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to your first official statement when I like get into some hot water. Uh, yeah. Can well, you just keep fucking up math problems on the internet or whatever. I, it's funny too. Cause I went, I did this like joke tweet the other day. I'm like, Hey, I'm putting together like a style, like a grammar and spelling thing for people. Oh, I saw it. I have like a couple of his, of ones that you mess up all the time. People must've just not understood the tweet. Cause they just started giving me like every single grammatical mm-hmm. or spelling issue you could possibly have. So yeah. Then people yeah, started getting into the WIP caller realm where they're like, Hey, tell yeah. them that it's Alshon Jeffrey and not Alshon Jeffries. And I'm like, well, I'm not a, a 70 year old man calling from South Philly or calling from yeah. Brookhaven. Yeah. I'm yeah. But if you're yeah, old guy, inevitably I'm waiting for you to like, uh, to get us canceled one of these days, then I'm going to have to be the dipshit who goes in and like does the apology or something, you know, just refer all my, all my questions to my boss, Kevin Kincaid, like you're my agent or my PR <laughs> yeah. team. Like I can't comment on this right now. It's an open investigation. Please go yeah. talk to my boss. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Kincaid. yeah. Um, I, I think, I, I think we have a good chance of potentially being canceled. Um, the flyers protest. I just think it's going to mm. get out of control. I think there's going to be, uh, everyone knows about our history with Broad Street Hockey. I think there's going to be some very pro Broad Street Hockey people down there. I think there's going to be some pro crossing Broad and Snow the Goalie people down there. I think there is going to be it's going to be a contentious environment, and there's already going to be some revolution in the air. And I'm going to be stirring up some revolution. So uh, I think that one could be our first one where you have to actually uh, answer a couple questions or whatnot. It, the uh, the protest is Saturday, March 11th, outside the Xfinity Live at 10 a.m. Be there. <laughs> It's supposed to rain. I don't care if it's supposed to rain. Think of it as the tears of your fallen Flyers brothers, your fallen Flyers sisters, uh, yeah. when they see that Travis Sanheim was extended eight years or Nick Delorier was given a three, four-year con- four mm-hmm. contract. Come out what to the you, pro. What, what do you think? Like, Do you have any idea on how many people are going to show up to this thing? Um, I don't know. I really don't. I think it's getting some steam. It was on. Uh, people were talking about it. Supposedly, on, I'm, I'm just following the pissed off Flyers fan on Instagram, and he he updates everything. People, uh, I think MGK wrote about it, so I don't know who really reads the MGK blog, but that's there. One hundred two nine WMGK. Yeah, WMGK. Um, I, well, they I mean, are owned. They're they're owned by Beasley. Beasley's got the radio rights. Maybe that's. I don't know. Okay, so I mean, connection. They, I can think of. They, they wrote it, and Gargano's obviously talked about selling the team so he stirred up some people um there was i I made a tiktok about it before coming on here and we'll see how that does Mm -hmm. um instagram twitter all that stuff so yeah i mean i'd love to see some people out there it'd be really interesting to see who comes out uh it's kind of tough rainy on a 10 a.m but i mean if if you're if you're yelling about selling the team and screw comcast and fire fletcher and you're doing it from behind your computer (coughs) snow the goalie then um you know it's all just hollowed words yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, uh, I think there's a, 
less than 0% chance that Comcast ever sells the Flyers because they don't own the Sixers anymore. If they sell, they've got uh, the wings. That's true. And then they would also, also lay off a bunch of people because Comcast Spectacore is like their main thing down there. So. Well, yeah, and it would be stupid because then the, the they would have they would own the Wells Fargo Center and then they'd have two tenants in the Wells Fargo Center that they used to own but don't own anymore. So, so, I mean, it would just be stupid. It would be like, oh, we own the building, the, we own the wings, but we don't own the Flyers and we don't own the Sixers and they just rent from us. Now, imagine the Flyers renting the Wells Fargo Center from Comcast. That is true. What... um. So I'm not I'm not too uh, privy on my Flyers um, organizational history. It was yeah. Ed Snyder, and then Comcast was more of a minority owner, a lesser owner. And then once Ed Snyder died, they sold the rest of it to Comcast. Am I correct? Um, well, it, it was. Yeah, I mean, he had always been connected to Comcast. Really, I mean, the fly the the they owned they they owned the Flyers and the Sixers at the same time. I think it was. Pat Croce, I guess, bought the. I guess they sold to Croce. For I need help from the chat. I don't remember the timeline, um, yeah. but yeah, they haven't owned both of them. And then when Ed Snyder died in 2016, right, it went fully to yeah to Spectacore. You know, Spectacore. that was Dave Scott coming in and, and that whole transition. You know, so you just never want a big Fortune 50 company. Maybe like a newer one. Maybe like more of like a guy who like a tech entrepreneur who's made all his money, kind of like Steve Ballmer esque off like Microsoft. You never want an old school. Fortune 50 company running your team. I think the Sixers got a little bit lucky, uh, but I think that was more because of Pat Croce was just an, an all-around awesome person, an awesome uh, strategic figurehead uh, when they owned the Sixers back in the day. But, man, there were some bad Sixers years, too, before 2012. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had a brain fart there. Ed, Ed Snyder that. created Spectacore. Right. Yeah. And then he sold and then he sold Spectacore to Comcast. I, th- I think that was in the 19. 19- 70s or something like that or uh or no that was in the 90s right where so that, that's why it became comcast spectacle interesting and where's ant san francisco when you need him here that is true that is true he's down at clear clearwater actually so. no good you see the scar on bryce harper's arm from the tommy john holy shit you think Crazy. man you think pregnancy is hard with a with a c-section scar look at the scar on uh old bryce's elbow yeah yeah yeah, that's that's a sore topic, man. You you start to like tell pregnant women or women who delivered. Excuse me. Will you put that thing away from the mic? It happens I know. once. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I gotta just turn the damn thing off. Hang on. It's a bingo card out there. If Baxter starts barking, I have bingo. Baxter barges in the lock. The latch on the the office door is not very good. Then my phone starts blowing up, and then inevitably I have to blow my nose at some point. So was that David Alderman or was that Josh Harris? It's Edelman. Why can't Josh you say his name? Listen, I grew up with an Ottoman. I grew up with an Ottoman. I had an Ottoman growing up. It's always going to be David Ottoman. So we got an SEC expert coming on the show today. If you say Nicob Dean, I'm going to have to log off here. You know, Jordan Davis. Yeah, look at that scar, man. That's cra- that is crazy, isn't it? That is a crazy fucking scar. I hope they put like three cadavers worth of of ligaments in that elbow, and he just comes back <laughs> stronger than ever. New feature story. Meet the cadavers who gave their ligaments to Bryce Harper. Dude, that's the silent majority. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's just, it's such a gnarly scar, man. I mean, I I see this and I'm triggered. I'm like, I hope Andrew Painter doesn't have, have to have the scar, the scar on his arm at, at some point. How unbelievable is that? 
right now that we're we reported on it last Friday. Obviously, we're not reporters, but the reporters reported on it last Friday. We you aggregated reported. something that somebody else we aggregated. There you go. We aggregated something. We aggregated it last Friday, thinking that they would have something by Saturday. Monday they come back out, have nothing. Now Scott Boris is talking about like he's got a binder full of pitchers or or, or what? Yeah, pitchers here. A binder yeah. full of women. Yeah, Mitt Romney had a binder full of bitches. Scott <laughs> Boris has a binder full of pitches. Uh, thank you. That was very good. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, Scott Boris. I wrote that one down. Uh, Scott Boris. I have extensive studies on young pitchers with extreme velocity at young ages. Ugh, God. Investigate him. Pizzagate. Uh, Andrew is aware and understands his development requires great attention and patience. So his rare skill extends throughout a long MLB career. That just seems like a big, I think you wrote this, a big word salad. Big agent word salad right there. Yeah, that may have been the Anthony take on that. Yeah, Boris is like just, I don't know. I mean, I know the guys brought the Phillies a lot of good players. Um, Not all all his doing, of course, but he represents a lot of great players for the Phillies. I'm just sick of this dude being like so, I don't know. Having I that like power as an agent, I, I don't know. Like, I don't need to see see him sitting there at the fucking podium during a pre, like a introductory press conference. Like, I, he needs to know his place a little bit. I think. Wow, I mean, the guy negotiated the deal. The guy got his ten percent, his fifteen percent, whatever he gets in the deal and whatnot. I think he deserves to be at the head of the table. Yeah, yeah and you he did, did a lot. Now, now fuck off. Bring the MLB back. They ask you, like, why are you like, like, you know, see Jalen Hurts' agent sitting up there? Is she going to be sitting up there with him when he signs his extension? No, because she knows that it's about him and it's not about her. You know, Scott Boris loves the camera. There's never been a camera that he's disliked. So he just needs to kind of understand that. You know, if you wanted to. Never mind. I will. I will divest from it. What were you going to say? You should fucking know your role. Like you're not. Nobody wants to. <laughs> oh, know like, your role. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're an agent. You, you're just trying. Your job is to squeeze as much money out of the teams as possible. You know, like no, now you're, you're the one like presiding over andrew painters like this is what he does like it's they go to every single doctor on the planet like second opinion's great okay but it's like you know it's we're like almost we're more than a week into this thing we have no update on on painter you know and it's because boris is like let's go to the third doctor and the fourth doctor and the fifth doctor and it's like it's what he does you know you think this is more of a boris thing he yeah. wants you know is he is, is boris looking for like uh hey don't tell me it's tommy john or uh or tell me it's all right uh, he just wants to protect his guy as much as possible because he's going to get a huge payday off of him in the future. You know, like I, I that's what it is, you know? So do so you think, I it's well, obviously I'm just saying, I'm asking you to speculate. Do you think it's him wanting Andrew Painter to get uh surgery now or for him? Cause in the long term, you hope he bounces back from him. He's 19 years old, all that, all that stuff. Or is he hoping that Andrew Painter can pitch this year and there's no injury? I don't know, man. It's hard for me to speculate on something like that that would require like a surgery and put the guy out for more than a year, you know. But I mean, if if surgery, like, here, I'll, I'll give you back to you as like a hypothetical. If Andrew Painter missed this entire year and he had the surgery, but you guaranteed that for the next eight years after that he would be fine, would you? Would oh, you yeah. do that? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think yeah. I think everybody probably would, you know. Versus what throwing him out there when we're not sure if he's even going to be ready this year anyway, right? I mean, so that's there's no guaranteed slam dunk, you know. I think it's like Tommy John surgery should be required for every top pitching prospect. You think they should just get it preemptively? It should be like scrubbing your Twitter account when you get drafted before you even play. You get Tommy John surgery and then you start, and then you start throwing. Yeah. 
do it now yeah. so you don't have to do it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just it feels like everybody has to get it. It know? should be government mandated. Government mandated. Yeah, your top my, five. What about my body? What about my body? My choice. Sorry, Andrew. Sorry. Yeah. Well, maybe my Shark Tank idea will be, you know, cadaver ligament harvesting for the mandated uh, Tommy John surgeries. You know, would you go to Laurel Cemetery and dig up a body if it was it was it was for uh, if it was a cadaver for uh, Andrew Painter's elbow and it would re- require him or it would make him uh, one of the best pictures for the next 15 years in the MLB? Would you be a grave robber? Oh. Yeah, we would. I would start exhuming tomorrow. You know, if that was if that was the case, let's get the digging. <laughs> and I think that this, pretty morbid, this took a pretty morbid turn, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got to do what months. you got to do. Yeah, They're paying. Yeah. You know, yeah. John Middleton's throwing out four hundred million dollars to uh, yeah. to two separate players. All right, we, we got to do what we got to do to get Andrew Painter up and ready. At you wouldn't have to dig up. You wouldn't have to dig up anything. There'd be plenty of living people who would just donate their arm anyway. Anyway, you know, so yeah. be no can, shortage we, uh, of ligaments. can we retire that one on the old Twitter machine? The, uh, the take my elbow, no God, take my elbow. Or every time there's like a significant, like Joel goes down with like a knee issue. It's like, no God, take my knee. Or take my face, or take yeah, my like, yeah, brain. like Joel, yeah, Joel can have my navicular or something, right? Yeah. I don't, know. I think we've kind of, yeah, we may have run the run the gamut of the of those, you know, jump the shark. We may have jumped the shark with those. So, do you imagine uh, Joel and B with a five ten person's navicular bone? Probably just wouldn't work, right? Well, where do you find a navicular bone that's that large anyway, right? I mean, Shaq would have to give it to him. Laurel Cemetery. Laurel Cemetery. You think there's a lot of seven foot two people that were buried there? I'll have to check to see where Will Chamberlain's buried, but we'll figure it out. Probably not there. Um, What do you, uh, so are you afraid? I don't, I guess we didn't talk about this on Tuesday because it didn't happen yet. Are you, are you like shaking in your boots that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are going to be back for the, for the New York giants? Well, no, obviously I did. I, I was interested in the reaction from Philadelphia fans, from Eagles fans particularly. Everyone was doing like this victory tour, and I didn't understand why. I think it was because mostly like, hey, they saw four years. Daniel Jones is going to be here for the long term. But it always matters on every NFL contract what the guaranteed money is. I saw $82 million, Then I saw again $94 million over the first two years. So that seems to be what he'll be making in guaranteed money. I think this is a great deal done by the Giants. I don't think the Saquon tag was good, paying $10 million for a guy who played a little bit better than than Miles Sanders last year. Um, that's, that's a heavy price to pay. But they're not losing a lot of guys in free agency. They still have some money to play with. They had absolutely zero wide receivers last year. Uh, Dayball's coach of the year. They got a pretty good core. I, I um, They're going to compete next year for the NFC East, is what I think. Obviously, we're in like the early stages of free agency, but I would not knock the uh, the Giants out of the NFC next year. Yeah, it's interesting because they were uh, ahead of schedule this year. You mm-hmm. know, um, yeah, not with every position, but like with with those positions for sure. I think they probably overachieved a little bit. So instead of uh, having to make like these massive decisions right now, you tag Saquon and you do like a, like a workable deal with Daniel Jones and just e- extend, e- extend that period a little they bit. They can get so, off that. And like next year, 
You can't well, tell me that someone wouldn't take a rental for $47 million a year. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying because it's not, they're not like locked into this forever. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's not like they're going to, it's not like it's going to be Carson Wentz and they got it. They're going to have to eat the largest dead cap in like, like world record history or something, you know? Mm-hmm. They go to dead cap, 18 million in, uh, what is that, age, age 28, 2025. And they only have a 19 million cap hit for next year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's outs here. Uh, like, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think there was a good way for them to proceed because they overachieved last year. You know, so they want to be aware of that, and they're not going to throw all their eggs in that basket. But it's like, well, let's kick the can down the road a little bit and see what happens. You know, I mean, if there was a slam dunk, you could crash on here. But if there was a slam dunk like way for them to proceed, and they or they had a high draft pick or something like that, they wanted to go for one of the SEC quarterbacks, and then fine. But I don't. I don't think there was that like obvious alternative for the Giants anyway. So I think this is probably the most, you know, like linear kind of kind of thing that they could do this year. Yeah, I mean, Derek Carr was out of the picture because obviously he wanted you know a completely new deal. Uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously out of the picture, fifty six million guaranteed this year, fifty two million guaranteed this year. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, this is you know, I'm 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 not sitting here being like, holy shit, Daniel Jones is going to come to the link next year and, and beat the Eagles by four touchdowns. No. But I'm just saying that they have this core still readily available that they have from overachieving nine and seven now two years underneath uh, Brian Dayball, and you know, we'll see what they do in in free agency and everything. Yeah. Um, did you ever work on? Uh, did you ever work at the vet when you were uh, at CBS three or earlier in the day, or was the vet already gone when you uh, when you got out? No, the vet was way gone. I didn't move back to Philly until two thousand nine. All right, so you won't have to worry about the dangerous forever chemicals no. in uh, in the no. turf. Um, if you didn't see that, the veteran stadium, um, great job by the Yankee on this one. They bought a couple of different um, turf squares like the like the turf that I think half the people listening to this probably have in their office um, and sent them to a lab to be tested um, from the the turf was from 1977 to 81 and it turns out the test run on two of the samples by Eurofins Lancaster Laboratories environmental Jesus Christ that's a mouthful found the turf contained 16 different types of PFAs or per and polyflora alkyl substances so-called forever chemicals, which the EPA has said causes adverse health effects that can devastate families. Now, obviously, people know that six uh, Phillies have all died of some very rare brain cancer. I think it's uh, glioblastoma, if I'm yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, this is wild. This is wild that the turf that not only the most dangerous, like I was told that the most dangerous thing at the vet was like wearing a Cowboys jersey in the mm. 700 level. Turns out it was just being a pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies in the 1970s. Yeah, playing there. Playing there was the most dangerous thing. Because it's funny because we did like the Dalton stories and we did some other stuff over the over the years. I had people call me, like investigative reporters call me and say, hey, this is a good story. Where uh, What do you know about that? I'm like, Jack shit, honestly, like I, I don't have I'm not a chemist or whatever. I don't have the resources to do this. So I'm glad that the inquirer jumped on it and did like a combo investigation thing, because I think that's I don't know. It's so hard to like make definitive, like the definitive proof that that's what did it. But it's the numbers mean that it's it just can't be coincidental. You know, yeah. I mean, it's such a rare form of brain cancer. Did you see the Pat Burrell quote? No. Is that in the story? Yeah, there was like, what is, hey, what do you think about the forever chemicals? And Pepper, I was like, I thought they were just called herpes. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> Fucker. 
talking with me. Um, I don't really not know. Not even a giggle? I'm reading what this guy says. Pagan <laughs> trying to analyze the turf is difficult enough. Um, I don't know. I just don't. I thought it was a good investigation. But I, th- I think they I think at the end of the thing, they were just like, there's no way we can actually say for sure whether this did it. But I mean, the evidence just seems to be like overwhelmingly pointing to a pattern here, you know, yeah. of of why did this happen to six dudes? Well, they all played at the vet and, you know. Maybe we bring Mike Lieberthal back on the program and ask him if how he feels. If he's yeah. gotten a, uh, if he's gotten some, uh, yeah, some test runner. If he's, if he's, he's probably. I mean, you, you, if you played for the Phils back in you know, the seventies, eighties, all the way up to two thousand and three when it was uh, yeah. demolished, yeah, you got to be like frightened. And no, I mean was- that, that turf was crap too. It was just, uh, you know, it was like thin. It was unforgiving. I mean, think about all the injuries that you had on there too. I mean, like they, they've come so far. I just I think it's funny because here we are in 2023, right? We've got all this amazing technology of, you know, grass growing, drainage and all this stuff. The Super Bowl field was terrible. Veteran Stadium has dangerous forever chemicals. The union were playing on like a cow pasture in El Salvador the other day and a dog ran onto the field, right? It's just like how how can, how can we have so many problems with 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 this stuff, you know, just in various forms, you know, it's just crazy that it's I don't know. It just feels like the, like everything should be so much more further along than it is, you know? You know who built the AstroTurf, right? Who's that? Oh, it was um, Monsanto, right? Monsanto. Yeah. yeah. I, I was I, shocked yeah. to find out the same people who poisoned the food supply and created Agent Orange in Vietnam were in charge of the AstroTurf of all yeah. things. Those motherfuckers had their hands in everything. I know it's a lot. There's a lot going on with all of that. I was I was deep in my own investigation at that point. Then when I started skimming through that story, I was like, my goodness. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm that, not surprised. That one, that one makes yours look like look like a a little 500 word essay that your high school teacher. That, yeah, sure, right? that was a thorough investigation. Mine was just like doing a lot of reading. So that's the difference when you have a 150 person staff versus a two and a half person staff. But that's all right, you know. When I was researching, I found out the funniest thing was, and this goes back to the to uh, the Flyers. In 2014, there was a worst companies in America survey, and it was head to head versus Monsanto and Comcast. So it was basically who's someone who indirectly killed a bunch of people versus just a, a company with terrible customer service. Yeah, that was the height of Comcast. when you had to wait. That was the height of when you had to wait on the phone for like two hours to talk to a human being from Comcast. So Comcast won. Comcast oh, really? won. Yeah, Comcast won. Yeah, yeah. Was that when That's you were quiet quitting, or did that come after? You yeah, no, 2014, 2014 was way before my time. Quiet quitting happened around uh, 17, 18, and lasted to yeah. about 2021. Yeah, two turf experts here, by the way, you and me. Two, two. This is right in our wheelhouse. Turf, chemicals, synthetic fiber, you know. Nobody knows more about these things than you and I do. So, Hey, here's Maybe one question that we have. You know what? You know what's worth? You know what's worse about us doing turf? Let's let's uh, do this million dollar question to who. There's been reports <laughs> that Bettman is looking for a team to move to Atlanta or Quebec, and you know Bettman would do it in a heartbeat, sir. This is not Snow the goalie. Snow the goalie <laughs> records whenever they want. We record at Crossing Broadcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you in here. But man, save that one for the next Snow the goalie episode because you're uh, barking up the wrong tree. No, I'm going to answer it. We got a question from a listener and you want to dismiss the question? Uh, I'm not dismissing What do I care about, Atlanta or Quebec? Well, Atlanta, they just moved the Thrashers out of there like 10 years ago. You know, so Quebec, yes. Atlanta, no. Um, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Move every move them all to Canada. You know, they all do well up there. You know, Quebec Nordiques. The man. only thing I remember about Atlanta is Danny Heatley. Ilya Kovalchuk. I think it's their all time leading scorer. There you go. Maybe Even our guest thrasher. knows about that. He does Southern sports. Maybe Connor knows about the Atlanta Thrashers. I don't think they let's bring him on. Connor, Connor you know anyone about the Atlanta Thrashers? Dustin Bufflin? Is that Atlanta sure. Thrashers? Yeah. <laughs> Former Blackhawks legend Dustin Bufflin. Uh, yeah. He was there for, for a hot minute. He was like their big franchise addition. They want hockey in Atlanta. They really do. Like I, their, their soccer team is thriving right now. Like They are yeah. a huge, huge draw. They would love to bring – to bring that sport back to Atlanta. I, I did not think that's what we were going to open with, but hell, no, I, well, this may be a thing for Saturday down South. You may have to get a thrashers beat writer, like back on. I'll talk to Duffy and Coop about, uh, about adding a, a thrashers guy to, to SDS Connor O'Gara, everybody from our, uh, our, our sister website, Saturday down South. They do sec football down there. There is a uh, Saturday road for the ACC Saturday tradition for the big 10 and Saturday out West for the, for the PAC 12 as well. Uh, I am a huge college football guy, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this. We Kyle and I happen to be in like the worst college football market that there is, uh, of course, unless you think Temple's a college football powerhouse, which they probably uh, are not. But um, we wanted to bring you on. I'm going to talk a little bit about the draft and the Eagles because uh, it's like on everybody's mind already. You can never have enough draft talk, you know. I mean, um, so so I, I you know the funny thing is because uh, the big pattern was Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM. For years, everybody was saying, why, why can't we just draft some like SEC guys? And he's taking Jalen Rager out of TCU or drafting Stanford guys. We're, we're drafting West Virginia guys. And it's like, let's go Georgia. Let's go Bama. So they change that pattern up and they start to have success. Uh, surely it's not uh, coincidental that once they start to go for the SEC guys, they do well. For starters, let me say, um, I, last year I was actually talking to Christian Hackenberg pretty in depth about hmm. the day that Temple stole his soul. Who Ten sacks, forget? baby. Unbelievable. He still sees ghosts from good. that day. Like, he he really does. And I love Hack. Like, he's a good dude. Uh, and I've gotten to know him a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'll never forget that performance from Temple. That was unbelievable. So, I, I think Temple is, you know, being considered a football market. I'll, I'll never <laughs> forget that day. Connor, it's a basketball school. It's a basketball school, Connor. It's, it's a basketball <laughs> it school, is. and it'll always forever be a basketball school. I will, I will hang my head on the Elite Eight when I was negative one um for the for the rest of my life but um but yeah that that's and this is very sad to say this is that was a top 10 moment of my lifetime in philadelphia sports was How seeing christian hackenberg on his ass 10 times that day. i mean like they, he had no chance he had absolutely no chance that day like some of that self-induced some of it james franklin but yeah it was it was rough i mean that's that is though you know to, to transition back to talking about the eagles getting these sec guys like the amount of people when they drafted both Jordan Davis and a Kobe Dean who just said, like, finally, somebody gets it. Somebody understands watching yeah. these two gentlemen play football this past year that these guys will be doing this at a very high level in the NFL for a long period of time. Like somebody understood. Let's just go and get like the two best players from the best defense, arguably in the 21st century we've seen in college football. Let's just do that and trust it's going to work out. And I mean, I think so far I, you guys maybe would disagree. You keep a closer eye on this obviously than I do, but I mean, Jordan Davis, like how can you not love that guy? How can you not feel better when he is on the field and he is stuffing the run for you? And it'll be interesting to see if they go back to the Georgia. Well, if you know, like uh 
if a Nolan Smith is somehow going to be available, probably not after the combine performance yeah. he had. But like you trade up for for somebody like that, you know, it's interesting in in the way that that you can kind of build a franchise and just rely on. Okay, I'm just going to trust the SEC guys. Maybe that's a, a BJ Ojolari. You trust him as like an edge rusher, you know, coming out of LSU, somebody that people have really high expectations for. Uh, there are so many guys in the SEC that I think you could point to and just say, yeah, that guy's probably going to have success because they did it at a very high level in the conference already. Did you? Or, or how much in general do you guys pay attention to like former SEC guys that go to the NFL? I mean, what did, did you get to watch Jordan Davis a lot this year or any of the dudes who were like first round picks or do you kind of like the draft happens, then you guys are back to focusing on, on your stuff. Yeah, more or less. I mean, yeah. if they make a headline for something, yeah, then that's, that's the stuff that gets up immediately. But like in terms of being dialed into that and it's, it's more so in this is the way that college fans are, are operated. And it's weird in the sec wherein there's, you know, George is not one of them because they have the Falcons, but there are a lot of places in the sec where you don't really have like that pro team that you're just yeah. designed mm-hmm. to root for. So yeah. it's kind of just all about bragging rights. These guys get to the NFL. If they have like an unbelievable hit, you know, they do something in Super Bowl, Super Bowl bragging rights. That's it. But no, I don't really stay as dialed into these guys. Like a Devontae Smith, obviously, I've been kind of banging the drum for him for a long time. So he's somebody, Justin Jefferson's another one where I, I follow really, really closely. Couldn't believe that the Eagles passed him up when they did. Um, Same here. That's something you guys talked about. Yeah. Uh, and I remember spending time with him at IMG right before that. And I was uh, I, I spent an afternoon with him and I talked with his his, his strength coach as well, uh, speed coach Mo Wells. And that was right before the combine. And it was right before they found out, all right, is this guy going to run in the four, the four threes? Like maybe either ah, some people are saying he's going to run a four or five. And then he runs well at the combine. And then it becomes, okay, he's a first round guy for sure. And there were still people that were skeptical about him, which is just crazy to yeah. me watching the way that he got separation. But yeah, there's certain guys I definitely keep closer tabs on than others. I don't know where you talked to Jefferson and his guy in the process. I guess, like you said, uh, before he ran, so I guess before the combine, did they think they were going to the Eagles? Did, did that give you any perception? Um, that no, you I don't think they. I don't think they did. I like at that time, it still wasn't a consensus to have Justin Jefferson in the first round. Like, go back and look at some of those mocks mm-hmm. in January. Like, he was like late first round and then some some didn't have him in the first round at all and those were the ones that i would circle and go okay that's dumb that's just dumb like i'm objectively <laughs> saying that makes no sense whatsoever um but yeah they, they didn't necessarily have a sense they were going to get a better sense after he ran out the combine it's just so silly to think that that had to convert people when you watch the film with him and the way that he would get separation like i was there for for the peach bowl when he just just turned Oklahoma into an yeah. FCS school and it was just disgusting what he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, it would have been nice probably if Eagles, their, their front front office was paying a little bit closer attention to that. Yeah. Well, I, it, I it the caused team. them to, you know, it caused them to overcorrect essentially. And then they got Devontae Smith. Right. So it ended, it ended up working out in a weird way, but I just remember the, the Justin Jefferson kind of knocks were weird. Cause I remember some people saying, Oh, he's only a slot guy. And some people saying like, oh, he's a really talented guy on like a super talented offense. Like, well, that, okay, but in a vacuum, he's still a great player, you know. So I mean, Eagles fans got more mileage and were just more annoyed by. I mean, right, Kyle, like the the Jefferson Rager oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, you you couldn't leave it alone, and then obviously Jay. <laughs> 
Jalen Rager's going after people in the DMs and stuff and everything. And those are getting leaked and everything. Look what Jalen Rager did. And it's like this yeah. is and we're watching Justin Jefferson on Sundays, you know, put up record numbers as a rookie and stuff. It's funny you said that. I was at that Peach Bowl too, but I was drunk and noticed that just, Justin Jefferson should be going to the Eagles. You were sober and you covered this shit. So if I was drunk and could tell that, I mean, what the hell was going on with Howie Roseman and uh and Doug Peterson in the freaking uh war room? Dude, he could have I mean, he could have had seven touchdowns that day. I firmly believe that it was incredible. Left early. <laughs> oh, God, like, left after the third quarter of that game, <laughs> and they they like called off the dogs. And I remember afterwards, and I'm in, and I'm in the locker room, and Jamar Chase just grabs Justin Jefferson. He's like, "This is this is what's amazing about what we can do." He's like, "They can bracket me. They can they can put all they want on me. Single coverage on him." You saw what just happened. That's what they yeah. tried to do. They tried to put single coverage on Justin Jefferson. They tried to put man coverage. Not a person in that building could have guarded him that day. And that's what you just see it time and time again in the NFL. It's like, look, I'm a Bears fan. We've got no shortage of like painful draft misses. The, the Pat Mahomes West thing. Virginia, baby. Sean oh, God. Like, yeah, don't talk to me about Kevin White. Do not bring up Kevin White. Oh, <laughs> That's, I that's loved it, man. He was just yeah, don't draft. My thing is don't draft West Virginia guys. Just to do not draft unless you're willing to give a guy like Geno Smith twelve years to figure it out. That uh, uh, what most- about Steve Slayton though? Steve Slayton had a cup of coffee with the Texans. That was kind of fun. Kind of a he had a really good year. Day. He had a really good yeah. You know, and then who came in? The guy from uh, Tennessee, uh, Arian Foster, I think, took yeah. the job from him. Mm-hmm. Didn't he? I'm going back like twelve years now. Who's going to Owen Schmidt, man? Owen Schmidt, yeah, he scored a touchdown for the Eagles too. Pat White got concussed in Miami, so that didn't really work. Pat our, McAfee, McAfee, our best export was probably Pac-Man Jones, and he's kind of an oh asshole, no. So Chris David Heim says Chris Henry. Chris Henry had some real good years. R.I.P. Yeah, he, RIP. yeah. Chris Henry also used to steal drugs from my sweet mate, but that's probably another story for another time because we were there at the <laughs> same time, like 2004. Um, what Connor? What do you make of? Jalen Hurts this year, um, and, and and also the fact that he is that, that Brian Johnson, who he was with um, back in the day, is going to be working with him as an offensive coordinator this year. Let me let me start with the Johnson part because I love Brian Johnson. Every time there's a vacancy that comes open in for for a Power Five job, I throw his name in there because I th- I think he will be a head coach very very soon. Um, and everything that I had been told about his role because he was Dan Mullen's right hand guy for a while um and everything that i had been told about florida in 2020 was that brian johnson was the reason that florida did not splinter and that when the black lives matter movement happened dan mullen ruffled feathers within that locker room and it was brian johnson who provided the stability that that program needed and they were really fun to watch that year from an offensive standpoint with what kyle trask kyle pitts Kadarius tony like that team was a joy to watch number one passing offense in college football. Um, and Brian Johnson leaving for the Eagles after that year was like mm, bad sign for Dan Mullen, terrible sign for Dan Mullen because he left for the quarterback's coach position when he was the OC at Florida. And that was like, all right, alarm bells are going off. Seeing what he has done with Jalen Hurts is not a surprise. It's absolutely not a surprise. That guy knows the quarterback position very, very well. It's something that is so much respected within those circles that it wasn't a surprise to see him take off. I think Jalen Hurts was you could trace the like the the beginnings of his rise back to when he got benched in 2018. The year that he spent working with Danny Nose and Mike Loxley at Alabama and what he 
did as a passer from that standpoint. And if you go back and you look at some of the some of the work that he did in like mop up duty, backing up Tua, that's when Jalen really started to figure things out. I I still thought he had a long way to go coming into the draft. And I was still kind of like, ah, you know what? Like maybe in time he can figure it out. He has soared past my wildest expectation for what he could be in the NFL. But man, I, I just continue to tip my hat tip my hat to the kid because he he realized like he needed to get better and he did. And like so many guys in that position aren't able to do it. And he has been willing to be coachable and he works his tail off and he has won over that locker room and obviously the city of Philadelphia. So you don't think this is like a flash in the pan from from Jalen Hurts? Because like that's one thing that I'm like worried about, you know, on my end where it's like, you know, I, I want him to he's an awesome dude, has it all between the ears and stuff. He's a great character guy. You know, you want him to be like the, the quarterback for the next 15 years. But, you know, we were kind of bitten by Carson Wentz and in and, and 2017. And obviously there was some stuff that, you know, injuries and stuff that he never really won over the locker room and all that stuff. So you don't think it's a uh, a one year flash in the pan. You think as long as he's got his guys, he's got a good team around him. You know, he'll just continue to get better and maybe elevate his play. He's wired differently. He's not wired like Carson Wentz. Like, and we have hindsight thing. to be able to, to to tell, kind of. But man, if if he just turned out to to just go off the deep end and just be one of those guys that just like gets way too big, like you know, just can't handle the success. I'd be stunned. Like every like the way that he was raised. Like you know, like you guys know the story about like his dad, coach's son. And like his men, his entire mentality has just been like, all right, this guy, this guy gets it. He gets it at every single level. Nick Saban, I would venture to say, like, if there are two or three guys that Saban loves more than Jalen Hurts, I'd be surprised. Like, I, I th- and that's the greatest coach in the history of college football. And I bet any short list of his favorite players ever, like Jalen Hurts, is on it. He's that guy. Like he, he just is. He wasn't at that place when he was 19 years old, and he was benched because he wasn't as talented as Tua at that time. And he is now. I mean, like it's kind of crazy to think about even the the national championship that he got benched. The quarterbacks in that game: Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, and Jacob Eason. Once upon a time, Jalen Hurts would have been a clear number four in terms of projecting NFL success. And now he is undoubtedly number one quarterback of that group. And I say that as a Bears fan who loves Justin Fields and is just hoping that Justin Fields can become what Jalen Hurts just did and take that step from year two to year three. But no, I think given the staff, given the support, given the resources poured into him and in building this team around him, I think he's set up for success for a really long time. Let me ask you about the draft. Um <clears throat> Look, I mean, the draft's a crapshoot. We're, we're going into people's minds trying to figure out what they're thinking. I don't know what Howie Roseman's thinking. He's got 100 free agents. He could go in any number of directions, right? <clears throat> Jalen Carter, is there any chance at all that this stuff drops him to 10? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I live in Apopka. I, I live where, where Jalen Carter's from. So I, I, I like, I've, I've known the story for a while uh, I, I know people that used to drive him to AAU basketball games. Like, I I know the background when people were questioning Todd McShay for saying that there are character issues. I was kind of like, eh, you know what? Like, Todd McShay's not just thrown out there for nothing. This is the type of thing that can terrify a front office because nobody wants to wake up to that phone call like the Raiders had to do with Henry Ruggs. 
And there is a certain element that just you just throw your investment out there. And this is going to be t- treated differently than than the Laramie Tunzel thing, which happened eight minutes before the NFL draft. And that ultimately dropped him to 13 overall. But, I, you know, I'm sitting there if I, if I'm sitting there as a Bears fan, I'm telling myself it's Jalen Carter. It's Will Anderson. Before I was saying it's Jalen Carter. I was hoping that they're going to trade within the top four. They're going to be able to load up on some picks, still get Jalen Carter. He's in my opinion, he's like Quinn Williams 2.0. Like there is, if I'm betting on Jalen Carter's future, I'm still betting on him becoming an all pro player. He is just different. He is. And the way that he is able to wreak havoc in the backfield is second to none. So I would still say that there is a chance he could fall to 10, but I think that there is a probably still going to be a market for him. And we'll wait and see the way that this all plays out with the charges against him for the reckless driving for racing and the way that this all is, you know, if, if we find out more in the investigation, he had a bigger role or that he, you know, directly lied to police time will tell, but yeah, there is a chance that he falls to 10 because this can scare off teams drafting at the top to think that their top investment can just be gone just like that because of a decision like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would fill the gap. I mean, he's the type of guy that the Eagles would go for, too. I mean, they they don't they historically have not. They've, they're not like the Cowboys where they're fine with bringing in guys with, quote unquote, whatever issue you want to you want to call it. They run a pretty clean ship. But I mean, the talent, if he's there at 10, they're not going to pass on him. Um, him and Will Anderson, by far the most talented SEC guys in the draft. I do want to ask you about Brian Branch, though, because. The Eagles, it looks like they've lost C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who went on Twitter and said, like, thank you to the fans or whatever. So they're nothing official there, but they have another free agent safety and Marcus Epps at the same time, too. Um, what kind of safety is is Branch, and, and what do you see him doing in the NFL? One of the best in all of college football, without a doubt. I think PFF had him as the highest-graded safety in the country. Like. Mm-hmm. There, there is a different understanding of the safety position and the way that we evaluate it in the SEC. It used to be these guys that could just take your head off. And it was like, I mean, yeah. Smoke Monday was one of those guys like coming into the draft last year where I was like, that guy looks like he played safety in 1995. He's like, he's like the 95, right? Brian Dawkins, like Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins. Yeah. The name like Smoke Monday. How can you oh, not take a flyer on that guy? Golly. I mean, he was that guy. He was a walking targeting penalty. I, I'm pretty sure his last college game, he got tossed for targeting. I was like, this is so perfect. That's so Monday, so by the way. Yeah. That's just the yeah. way that, that you go about it. But so he's not that from that standpoint point but from a coverage standpoint yes he can absolutely cover he's mm-hmm. you know provided some great over-the-top coverage for bama i think you could put him in kind of some of those nickel spots and he would be perfectly fine i mean he was one of the key reasons that people didn't really throw a ton on this bama defense and it, you know obviously like they had their struggles if you go back to like the tennessee game and all the the instances of jalen hyatt getting open like you could find some bad film out there of brian branch but Man, who in the secondary can you not find some bad film of in this draft? Like, I like even Keely Ringo had some of his moments this year. I know we're talking different position with him being a corner, but yeah, he's a corner. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I I still kind of look at some of these guys. I'm like, in this day and age with the volume that these guys throw at, like, you're going to find some bad film. It's just finding enough good stuff. I think Brian Branch would be a a very solid guy in the middle of the first round. That's kind of the expectation where he'll end up. And obviously, somebody with his track record with the Saban. You know, the Saban disciple, whatever you want to call it in the secondary, that would probably bode well. Usually those guys don't miss very much coming from the Bama secondary. You were talking about Nolan Smith earlier in the uh earlier in the interview. I know he was getting mocked, you know, late first, maybe early second. 
after he just put on an absolute show at the combine, where's he looking at right now? And is he just kind of out of that, that 30 ish area where the, where the Eagles will pick next? They'd probably have to trade up to get him at this point. Okay. Like I, I, I think that's, you you're seeing more of this buzz post combine, but what I think it's very lost in the shuffle, this guy was the number one overall recruit in the country. And people are like stunned that he was as athletic as he was. Now I'm not saying everybody should have expected him to run a four, three, nine 40, <laughs> but this dude was their captain. Like he was surprised. He was a surprise that he came back for his senior year because he had a, a really, really dominant latter half of the 2021 season he was such a big reason why that defense ended up being as dominant as it was i mean he owns anthony richardson like he absolutely does i remember being there that day that in jacksonville watching the two turnovers that he that he forced in that game you're just like man he is totally in his head he's a phenomenal player i if you if you're able to somehow get a guy like him late in the first round i think that's a massive win you talk about guys that you don't have to worry about from a character standpoint. I mean, he is that dude. He's He was so beloved. I don't know if you guys saw the video. I think it was Brooks Austin who tweeted out the video of his teammates reacting to him running that 4-3-9. Like, just great stuff. People love that dude. And he is a leader through and through. I mean, he's like a lot of things I was saying about Nicobe Dean last year. I feel like I'm saying about Nolan Smith this year. Obviously, you know, we're talking about different positions, different skill sets, but still, I, I think Nolan Smith is going to probably end up being more of like a mid first round guy. Um, we, we, we do want to talk about Nicobe Dean, but I, I have one more college combine. Nicobe. 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 You I've call been it, trying to get him to say to say it the right way for like Kobe. That's all you got to think of, Kobe. Dude, I swear people call him Nakobe. I swear there's some analysts. You that call must him be Nicobe. hearing that in your head because you are the only person I've ever heard say Nakobe. No, no, it's it's the it's the it's the Northeast twang up here. <laughs> we don't pronounce the e up here. Blame it on Kobe. Like we don't pronounce the at in 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 water. It's water up here. Water. Yeah, you just don't understand down there. Um, I wanted to talk about the combine drills because I really do laugh at them when they're like having Anthony Richardson do the vert jump. And I'm like, what do I care that Anthony Richardson can draw, can jump 41 and a half inches? Like, are we just going to run a, is the team going to run the Philly special 15 times a game? He's got to high point the ball against Jay. Like, what does that matter to me? And then you see the one lineman who's running the 40 yard dash. Who's never going to be have to ever do that. He goes down. I'm feeling like somebody's going to come out. We're going to have a Barbaro situation on our hand, like the Kentucky Derby turf. And I'm like, they're going to put this guy out the pasture before he even gets the NFL draft. What do you think about the combine drills and how they're just like we should we shouldn't have you know QBs doing vert we shouldn't have linemen doing forty yard dashes you think it, you think the combine needs kind of a an overhaul a little bit in terms of positions yeah I think so I, I do I mean make it specific to positions I get some of the straight line speed with some of the stuff like if you if you just consume mostly college content like like I do you laugh at some of this stuff. Like, like did people just not think Anthony Richardson was going to show up at the combine and, and tear it up? Did they not see some of the things that he can do? Or alternatively, do they not watch any of him and they see the combine and then they not remember that this guy went like 35 minutes without a completion against Florida State in his last game of college football? Did they not realize that this guy lost to Vanderbilt and almost got benched in that game and the coaching staff wanted to, but they didn't have another option to turn to? Like, that's the stuff that just makes me just, just roll my eyes. And look, I get it. I, I totally get it. And it's fun to see. And it's fun to see. But if you're basing like you, these guys' draft stock, like the best 40 times in the history of the combine for receivers 
like none of the like the top five or six, none of those guys have ever had a thousand yard receiving. There's Hayward Bay, baby, John Ross. Darius Hayward Bay is not even in the top six anymore. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, he's not even part of that group of John. I mean, John Ross, obviously, but like it's like Jerome Mathis or something like that, or like even uh oh, who was it? Oh, who was the guy that just did it not too long ago that I'm blanking on his name? I think he was with the Niners. Um, I'm I'm blanking oh, Mar- on his name. Marquise uh, um, Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin. He was yeah. an eagle. He was an eagle for yeah, Olympics. Yeah, he was an Olympic sprinter too. And no, like, no, you're t- thinking of the other guy. You're, you're the no, he was an Olympic sprinter. He was at the trials. We had two Olympic sprinters play for the Eagles. Yeah, we did. Okay. Well, anyway, Marquise Goodwin was here for like a cup of coffee. I think they took a flyer on him, and he was injured or something. Yeah, like the 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 forty stuff. Like I just that that just drives me pretty nuts. Like I get they they need to tweak drills for for the combine. Not having offensive linemen. I mean, offensive linemen should not be running a forty. There's just there's no way you want to show off. I get it. I understand all those things, but to me, there's probably a better, more nuanced way that we can do this. Nobody's forty yards down the field unless they're Jason Kelsey pulling on like a middle screen, you know. So um. Yeah. Two more for you, Connor. Oh, yeah, yeah, Devin Allen, right? He, right Devin Allen, Allen, and then yeah. Marquise Goodwin, and Marquise Goodwin opted out during the COVID year because he just had a kid. Oh, he opted out, right? Okay, yeah, yeah that's right. Because well, it's probably him not in. good that his picture is of him in track and not yeah. in football. Yeah, he was yeah, on the practice would... squad. All, he was on the practice squad all year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but how he yeah. how he loves Olympic guys. How he loves breaking them in for a cup of coffee. See how they can run. They converted a rugby guy to a pretty much a pro bowler. So, I mean, they might as well keep trying with all this stuff, you know. Um, Connor, two more for you. Just one quick one uh, with the draft. We're in agreement that Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, CJ Stroud all go in the top 10. I I, I think that that Young and Stroud are locks. I, my, my take, bold, give or take those other guys, maybe like 11, 12, something. I guess the thing I was asking is like the Eagles are probably, if those quarterbacks go push the board down, the Eagles are probably going to have their choice of like the top six or seven or eight, just rest of the position guys in the draft. I think so. I, yeah. I, I think so. That that would probably be my guess as much as it pains me to say that, man. Like I, I, I just cannot think about betting my franchise on Anthony Richardson. I can see your blood just boils every time someone compares Anthony Richardson to Cam Newton. I can oh, it, it. it makes me livid. It, I, I just I lose my mind thinking about it. Like Cam Newton was on a team that had one player that was drafted. Like what? Like Nick Fairley. Like that's it. And Cam Newton led that team to a national championship. And they didn't lose a freaking game. And Anthony Richardson's out here. He can't even beat Vandy. He like his his performances just leave you scratching your head. It is just brutal, absolutely brutal to watch. But p- people are like, "Hey, doesn't matter if he's not very good at football. We'll we'll fix him." He's Josh Allen. It's like <sighs> Josh Allen at Wyoming is very different than Anthony Richardson at Florida, and who worked with Dan Mullen for two years and Brian Johnson for one year, and even Billy Napier, who's a respected offensive mind in the sport. Like to me. I just I just can't get on board with it. And even Levis, I, I'd feel way more comfortable with him being like a late first round guy. But that's not going to be the case. Yeah. My uh, last question for you. So I lived in uh, after I got out of West Virginia, I went down to Augusta and I lived there for a couple of years. I lived in Atlanta. So I was deep in SEC territory. We had this thing in Augusta where like South Carolina fans and Georgia fans would all get together in week two. And they did this big border bash thing where all the fans would come out. It was like the coolest shit ever. And I moved back up to Philly. Nobody here cares about college football. So I, this may be a loaded question. I don't know if there's an answer to this question, but how do I get more people up here to care about college football? 
I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that because I just I just did a segment on the Saturday Down South podcast about the six teams that are in college football hell. And one of the teams that I put in there was Boston College. And yep. I put Boston College in there because the region itself, I don't know how that changes anytime soon. The ACC grant of rights deal, which locks those teams into the conference through 2036, yep. prohibits essentially movement and like change of scenery and all that stuff and all the, the basketball decisions that were essentially sacrificed for the sake of football puts them in such a tough spot. I don't know how you can tell people care about college sports unless pro sports go into the toilet. That's it because pro sports are always going to feel more important. And nobody's nobody's like, even as a college guy, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, Oh, they care more about it in college than they do in the NFL or, you know, NBA, what, whatever the case may be. It's a cultural thing, man. If you've ever yeah. listened to like Bill Simmons talk about college football, you realize unless you grow up with it and unless you experience some of this yeah. stuff, like it is so hard. Even the sports guy, the literal sports guy can't care about college football because he's a Holy yeah. Cross guy who grew up in that specific region of the country until you get down here like you did. And experience it's it. like you have to like live it. I don't know how to explain it any better. I'm like, you have to like be immersed in it to kind of tailgate. You go to a tailgate. Yeah, go to a tailgate. Yeah. So like yeah. I went to Indiana. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago's pro mm -hmm. sports town where Northwestern, they can't get people to care about college sports mm -hmm. there. And I, I, I spent a little bit of time out in Nebraska where I worked there. I covered Nebraska football home games. And then I moved down to Orlando, which Orlando is not the South. Like I'm not saying that there's a bubble around Orlando everywhere else is the South, not Orlando. But where I was able to kind of understand the SEC dynamic was seeing all the different SEC campuses and understanding what goes into it, yeah. spending a weekend at the Grove at Ole Miss and realizing how an entire college weekend is built there until you actually get down here and experience experience it and have like a, a baptism in the sec, like a Ryan Rosillo or something like that. It's so hard to explain it to people that don't live and breathe it with everything they do. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to send me and Pagan back down there and we're going to write it off as a company like synergy initiative and be like, you want the different branches of the company to work together. Okay. We're going to go down there just to get the experience, you know, and then I'll just write, I'll send an email to our bosses and be like, look at what we did, you know? Got a That's guess, man, right here. It's the office will make it happen. Temple might be having like a spring game in basketball that 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 weekend, so I might just stay up here. Oh, you can't make it because of Temple basketball. Yeah, yeah huge, basketball. huge games coming up for Temple basketball. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. What are you, are you guys on the bubble? Uh, North Texas, I think we're playing. Uh, North Texas, I think, yeah. yeah, North Texas is coming to the uh, uh, another couple teams. You know, Houston's leaving, UCF's leaving, but who, who yeah. are those guys? Yeah, yeah, down here they're 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 a big deal, man. Like top, top five in the country, the Big Twelve. Right? Yeah. Hey, going to Craig, shit. pull that up if you got that thing that we were talking about. One more thing, real quick, and then we'll let you go, Connor. Um, trying to get of uh, Pagan to to finally do this the right way. All right, let's see if we can play this. The Kobe Dean. The Kobe. The Kobe Dean. I heard the Kobe. <laughs> Nicobe. All right. Well, anyway, anyway, he, he sounds was, like a sounds like a Hirsch chip from Maryland. Yeah, Nicobe Dean chip. Nicobe Dean. Yeah. So it's Nicobe Dean. Just so you have it right now, he plays for the Eagles. You know that Kyle, right? He plays for the Eagles. His name's Nicobe Dean. Glad that we were able to uh, square that away um, finally. Connor, thanks for coming on, man. That was fun. Um, I told Duffy and Coop that if they ever start a uh, a Big Twelve site, I may defect and go do Saturday Big Twelve instead. And then I, I could write about flag yeah. football. Perfect time once Texas leaves. 
I mean, like, yeah, it's a little bit tough. It's the one site that we don't have right now. We got we no. got Saturday out west, Saturday road, Saturday yeah. tradition, Saturday down south. Man, I'm just yeah. saying. I know. I feel there. the pool. I feel the pool. I may gift uh, crossing broad to Pagan, and I may I don't want defect to. to start a new Big Twelve website. But just do both. We could we could do that? Connor, does the SEC mean more? Uh, it does just mean more. It does just mean more. It means a lot. I, I had for a while, I used to write a column. It might mean too much. That was just like all SEC tales of people that are just crazy. Like people that literally like shot someone over SEC fandom. It, it was fun. And then I stopped it during COVID. It was like a really serious time. I was like, ah, you know what? Sports mean a lot to people. I kind of get it. So I guess I'm just suckered into the SEC it just means more mantra, but yeah, yeah it, it means a lot. It, it definitely means a little too much at times. Well, if anybody poisons the tree, poisons another tree down in Auburn, we can bring the column back. I, I mean, that's that that would be bringing it out of retirement. Would be <laughs> trees or poison trees, nothing less than that. That is that is the scandal we aspire to have yeah. in the SEC. Yeah, the uh, the pinnacle. All right, when we're down there for the Iron Bowl, we'll bring it back. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, nice, Connor. Man. Thanks, brother. Uh, before we go, I want to talk yeah. about Girl Scout cookies real quick. Dude. Yeah. yeah. People love Thin Mints. People love the uh, the Tagalongs, too, which I was very surprised about. People also love Caramel Delights. Um, are the but I'm Tagalongs Thin the, coconut, the coconut ones? Nah, Caramel Delights are the coconut ones. Tagalongs oh. are the uh, peanut butter and chocolate patties. Man, oh. Oh. they struck gold with their new flavor, which I saw was introduced in 2021, but we'll strike that up to the pandemic and not really a lot of Girl Scouts be selling out there. The mm-hmm. Toast Yay, the French toast flavored uh, cookie, uh, one side vanilla icing, one side golden brown, hint of apple. Wow. It's amazing. It is my number one Girl Scout cookie right now. A dynasty run has come to an end in the pagan household for the Thin Man. I have to get a, get a box of those and a, and a Peeps Pepsi and... Give it a try. Oh, doesn't that just look good? Doesn't that just look like Americana right there? Girl Scout blocking you from going to Wawa or blocking you from going to your grocery store. I know Setting when I don't Berlin when I don't wall. buy when I don't buy cookies from them, I feel like such a piece of shit. Like, well, they're soft now. The Girl Scouts are soft now. They don't go after they, you. It's, it's, they it's used hard. to be nuts. They used to hound you. Yeah, you, you used to have to go to three lines of defense. It was like the steel curtain back in the day for for the Girl Scouts. You couldn't get into Wawa to get your coffee without buying a Thin Mint or out without buying a, a tag along or a do yeah. Dough, which I do like too. Um wow. yeah. I, the other day they 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 hang out in the vestibule of my my local Acme and I just mean mugged them and they didn't say, say that word say that word again. Acme? No, the one before that. What area, what part of Acme was that in? My local uh the vestibule. Vestibule? <laughs> The the vestibule, the the vestibule, 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 yeah, vestibule, yeah. It's tough word. That is a tough. It's not a common word. That's a good word though. Thank you. Yeah, when you could say right, supposedly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, man. Vestibule. Stop with the fucking phonetics. Vestibule. Craig is drunk with power behind the scenes. All right. He has gotten he's gotten a little bit too big for his britches. I might have to humble him at the protest on uh, on Saturday while it's raining on him. And he's miserable. A a synonym for vestibule could be the foyer or the foyer Mm -hmm. if you're French. 
But yeah, so I just mean mugged the Girl Scouts and was just like, don't even don't even look at me. I already bought mine this week. They don't know because this generation, they're probably just on their phones like texting. You know, 15 years ago, they would hound you to buy cookies, mm-hmm. overpriced cookies, and you get fewer of them. I think inflation has hit the Girl Scouts pretty hard. <laughs> you ever do fundraisers when you were growing up? You know, I mean, probably like raising money for like your death metal band or something like that to go no, we sold, make flyers. We sold hoagies to get the skate park built in Boyertown, and we worked th- on that through high school. And then we all graduated. And then they finally built the skate park after we all graduated. So we couldn't even use it. Uh, <laughs> Did good though. Enough we hoagies. did. We we did our part for the people who came after us. Yeah, we were skate rats. We would just skate around Boyertown and say because we didn't have anywhere to go, yeah. and we'd wax the curbs and stuff, and we yep. were like a menace, you know. Muck so up the railings. Yeah, yeah, the skaters are out there in Boyertown. There's nothing else in Boyertown going on, so they complained about the skateboarders, you know. The park benches. Yeah, there's, oh, there's a nuisance out here. Give them a place to. We used to skate on the loading dock behind the school. Yeah, we uh we did a fundraiser for AAU basketball out in like 30 degree weather yeah. in front of like a Walmart. Yeah. And yeah. I was just wondering like, why would we go out in front of a Walmart? You know, it's people who love everyday, pr- everyday low prices don't really give everyday large donations. I mean, we should have went to like, mm. like a Costco, someone who pays for a subscription service to their grocery store. It's very true. Yeah. We should do some uh, fundraising for crossing broad. Maybe we uh, have a philanthropy arm of CB and do a, uh, do some good in the community, Pagan. You know. Yeah, we don't do enough good in the community. We never have. Um, I don't think. I don't think even before me and you, there was a lot of. Philanthropy no, it was, being wasn't done. a lot of philanthropy. I don't know how much philanthropy you can do with a two point five person crew. Anyway, you know, it's not like we have a lot of extra time. But uh, that will be our pledge to you in the future when I turn older and get more serious. You know, we won't go outside of a Walmart. You don't want to be outside no. a place where someone could buy a five dollar foot long and an AR fifteen. They don't really, they're not really the uh, yeah. poster child for donations. We'll do it outside of the Union League, and we'll see if we can hit up Helen Gim for a donation on our way in. Are you contractually obligated by David Alderman to mention Helen Gim once a <laughs> once a podcast? If we get David on the show, <laughs> I'm going to introduce him. Okay, like I, you're not going anywhere near introducing him. Yeah. Mr. Alderman, what are your thoughts on the uh, Chinatown revolt? I think the Sixers had an Alderman, right? Like Aldemir, Alderman, uh, Aldemir, Furkan. Didn't they have a Furkan Aldemir? They did. They had a Furkan Alderman. Furkan Alderman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a portmanteau of David Adelman and Furkan Aldemir. Well, the Alderman Empire. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. Thank you. That Thank you. Good. All right. We're done. All right. We're done. All right. Thank Uh, you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you to listeners. Thank you to Craig behind the ones and twos. Thank you to Kevin. Thank you to Connor O'Gara. Go follow him on Twitter. Great Saturday down south. Great SEC knowledge on that blog. Uh, We will talk to you on Tuesday. And you have a great day.